All right. Who's keen to be in church? I don't know about you, but I've had a pretty full week. Um, I got the privilege to go along to Youth Alive with a group of awesome people. Uh, So we had some great fun. We hit the mosh pit hard until we were probably more sweaty than we'd ever been in our lives. Uh, All around a good time. Uh, But I'm pumped to be able to preach to you guys coming out of that experience. Uh, But you guys can get your Bibles ready if you've got your Bibles here tonight. We're going to be jumping around a little bit, but we're going to be starting in Ephesians chapter 3. So you can get that all sorted. Uh, Some of you might know this about me, others might not, but I work as an educator part-time at Foundry. And for those who haven't heard of Foundry before, it was described to me as university, but for hipsters. So I actually think that's pretty accurate, um, but we teach graphic design, digital courses, all that fun stuff. Um, But something that happens at Foundry every now and then is we'll give out an assessment that we leave quite open to the student. So the student gets to define what they want their project to look like, and they kind of get to guide it on their own. And that's kind of what happened with my message tonight. They were like, one hit wonders, you get to pick your topic. And immediately I was like, what? I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And all these ideas flooding around in my head. And for anyone who's ever had that kind of assessment before knows what actually happens. Starts with excitement, right? And then 90% of your time is used in procrastination. And in full transparency, that is also a little bit of what happened um, with my message tonight. But I do have something to talk to you guys about, and I am excited to bring that to you. So this is the first message I've actually given a name. Uh, So I was pretty excited about that as well. So tonight I've called the message, I am able. I am able. And I want to say right now that that does sound a little bit self-centered, doesn't it? It sounds a little bit me-focused, but really if we just think about what humility is all about, humility is simply, it's not thinking less of ourselves, it's agreeing with God to what He says about us, and then relying on Him in our weakness. So that's really where this message comes from, and it's inspired by um, a passage in Ephesians Chapter 3, starting in verse 14. This is what it says. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, so really what we can see here is that we are only able because we serve a God that is able. And it's because of his power at work within us. So that's really where I want to go tonight. So let's just kick it off uh, in prayer. God, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you that you choose to work in and through us. 
God, we pray that we have ears that are ready to hear what you want to say to us tonight. God, guide my words so that everything that is not from you would just fall away so that your message rises above anything else here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to ask you a question. I just want you to think about it. All right, so who is the best communicator you've ever heard? Just think about it. I don't want you to say it out loud because you'll feel obligated to say me, all right? And I don't want you to feel like you have to say that, okay? So just think about it. Who's the best communicator you've ever heard? A few of you have just been to Youth Alive. We heard some pretty amazing communicators. It might be someone you've heard online. It might be a preacher. Anyone for T.D. Jakes? Like, there's some awesome preachers out there. Who is the best communicator you have ever heard? Because whatever that name is that's probably floating around your mind, I want to say that whoever you think the most influential communicator in your life is, you're probably going to be wrong. Because the most influential voice in your life will always be you. Right? We need to get this. The most influential communicator in our lives is ourselves. Because no one talks to us more than we do. And no one listens to us more than we do. So I'm not saying that we can't go to a conference and we can't go to church and leave inspired, wanting to change things in our lives. But ultimately, what will always win out is what we say to ourselves. So that's what I want to look at tonight. What are we saying to ourselves? And is it the same as what God is saying about us? Because if it's not, we're probably going to find ourselves moving away from the path that he has for our lives. Because what we say to ourselves actually defines how we act, how we speak, and even the direction our lives move in. So what are we saying to ourselves? Because it doesn't matter what our family says about us. It doesn't matter what our friends say about us. It doesn't matter what our boss says about us, what our work colleagues say about us. Really, it only matters what the creator of the universe, the author of our salvation, has to say about us. While each of those people can reinforce that, really, that needs to be where we get our truth from. Right, so what I want to do tonight is I want to look at three truths, three truths that come from God's Word that I believe we need to preach over our own life each and every day. And each one has the potential to help us move in the same direction that God wants us to. All right, so you ready? All right. Truth number one. I am under grace, not under shame. Now, this is a theme that we see all throughout Scripture. There's one verse that I really love, and it puts it like this. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not like this is the first time many of us would have heard this. You don't have to be coming to church for very long to hear this idea of grace. The idea that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is greater than our past, it's greater than anything we've done, it's greater than our shame. Right? We know this. And yet, how often do we still experience shame in our lives? Because the reality about truth is it's not enough just to know it sometimes, is it? We actually have to preach it over our lives, over our circumstances. It needs to become the loudest voice that we hear. You know, this never actually um, became so pronounced to me how important this was until 
a week, the week leading up to my baptism. So I've never told this story before, but it was about three years ago that I was baptized here. Um, I was scheduled to be baptized on the Sunday, and it was probably on the Monday leading up to it. That I started to get thoughts that um, came into my head, and they were saying all sorts of things, but really it just boiled down to the idea that I couldn't get baptized. They were saying things like, think about your past. Think about all the mistakes that you've made. You're not worthy to be baptized. You're not ready to be baptized. And each day I would wake up and it just seemed like more thoughts were there, more reasons were there why I couldn't get baptized. And it was coming to the end of the week and these thoughts were just flooding my head. And I was that close to actually ringing up believe this, ringing up and cancelling my baptism, because I just couldn't understand how I could get up there and get baptised. Meanwhile, I'm battling with even understanding the truth that God says about me. How can I make a declaration of that truth when I can't even believe it myself? And it was somewhere in this mix that I opened the Bible and I just started to read, and the truth of God's Word started to speak. And what this allowed me to do was to actually respond to those thoughts. I started to be able to talk back to them and say, yeah, that, that is my past. Those, those are the mistakes that I've made. That is who I was, but it's a good thing that that was all nailed to the cross with Jesus, that I am now a new creation in Christ. I'm seen as righteous, holy, and perfect, not because of what I have done, but because of what he has done for me and that's why I will get up there and make that declaration because of how good my God is and it was by not just reading this once but continually preaching up I had to preaching this over my life I had to wake up and I had to preach this again and again and again until it was the loudest thing I was hearing becoming a conviction in my heart and that was the only reason I was able to get up there and get baptized on Sunday and when I came out of the waters, I didn't experience a hint of shame. All I experienced was the grace and love of God. And in that moment, I knew that that's what he wanted for me. But isn't it interesting how that when we take a step towards what God wants for us, that that's when we see the most resistance. That's when the enemy begins to fight back. And one of his greatest weapons is shame. And when that voice of shame starts to speak, if we don't begin to speak back with something that's greater, the truth of God's word, we might actually find ourselves taking a step back from what God wants for us. It's not enough to know this stuff. We need to preach it continuously over our lives, over our situations. I live under grace, not under shame. Truth number two. I am pursuing favor with God and favor with people. Now in reality, this is more of an action. If we want this to be true in our lives, we have to be active in it. So what does it mean to pursue favor with God and favor with people? Why is that important? Well, let's just look at the ministry of Jesus for a moment. 
Jesus' ministry, I would say, is probably one of the most effective ministries of anyone who's ever lived, right? You don't have to be a Christian to see that. His ministry is continuing today in each of us. But how often do we take a step back and just ask why that is? Because I think we jump to reasons like, well, he was the son of God. So that's probably got to play into it a little bit. You know, maybe he was just a really effective communicator. He engaged his audiences. He had a message that no one had ever heard before. All these things we think um, first and foremost when we think about the ministry of Jesus. But I actually think there was something that took place before Jesus' ministry even started that contributes to this fact that's hugely significant because we're given one verse, one verse to fill in the gap between Jesus at the age of 12 through to about the time he begins his ministry near the age of 30. 18 years, we're given one verse to describe what takes place in that time. And this is what it says. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Let's not miss that this is what Jesus was doing in his teenage and young adult years. He was growing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with all the people. We know Jesus from a very young age was in the scriptures. He was memorizing scriptures. He was spending time with God in the temple. He was praying. He was investing in his relationship with his father. We often think of Jesus as because he was the son of God, he didn't have to grow. He didn't have to develop. And we forget that he actually came down to earth as human to be an example to us. And this extends to his preparation for his ministry. His preparation with God. But he also grew in favor with the people. He invested into the relationships of those around him. He built a reputation, respect in his community. And this is significant because when he stepped out into his ministry, he spoke with an authority that could only come from a place of favor with God. But he also spoke to an audience who was ready to listen because he had re reputation and respect as a rabbi, as a teacher. And I think it's this that contributes to the effectiveness of Jesus' ministry. And I believe that we should follow his example, shouldn't we? To see our own lives as an effective ministry for the kingdom of God, we should be seeking to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all the people around us. It's not a new idea. I mean, we say this all the time at Door of Hope, just in different language. Jesus centered, favor with God. Others focused, favor with people. I believe this is easy for us to forget. And that's why I believe it's something that we have to preach over our lives. We have to remind ourselves of continually that I am pursuing favor with God and with people. Truth number two. Truth number three. We ready? Yeah. All right. I am no longer a slave. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave, I am a child of God. Before this was a song, it was actually a scripture. So it comes from Galatians, where Paul's writing to the church of Galatia, and he is saying, he's reminding them that their past no longer has to have a hold over them. 
that because of what Jesus did, they're called to something greater now. They are called out of their sin into a new purpose. And it's not a new idea for us again. We hear this quite often, don't we? We sing this quite often. And yet, how often does our reality look so different? Let's just think about our lives at the moment. How often is there something in our lives that we are still a slave to despite what this says? Things like unforgiveness, bitterness towards people, addictions, drugs, alcohol, pornography. Things that have a hold of us that we can't seem to get out of. I am no longer a slave. I am a child of God. You see, for this to become a reality in our lives, we can't just hear it. We need to declare it over our lives louder than anything else we hear. Because you see, when the lies of the enemy come into our lives, which they do, and they start to say things like, you should hold on to that unforgiveness for that person. They don't deserve your forgiveness. You could look at that website. No one's looking. It's not going to hurt you. If these, are what we, if these truths are what we're hearing louder than anything else, then naturally that's the direction we're going to move in, isn't it? But if we're able to preach a truth that's from God's word louder than the lies of the enemy, then that is the direction our life will begin to move in. Because you see, we could look at it this way. The prisons of our past are just waiting to become a platform for our future, right? The prisons of our past, the things that held us back, unforgiveness, bitterness, addiction, pornography, all these things, as bad as they are and as fortunate as they are and as difficult as they are to endure, create an opportunity for God to minister through us to those around us. What lies in between is breakthrough. And we find that breakthrough in changing the conversation we're having with ourselves. So it's a conversation of truth that comes from God's word. And I could stop there, but I think there's one other point that we need to talk about here. And it's one of those verses that, if I'm completely honest with you, part of me wishes it wasn't in the Bible. I don't know if I can say that in church, but um, can we have the verse from James up on the screen? Sorry, I added this today, so I don't have it in my notes. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Sucks, doesn't it? We're talking about the things in our lives that we struggle with. We don't want to tell people about them. Why can't I deal with it by myself? But the reality is God created us to be in community. So doesn't it make sense that that is where we will find our greatest breakthrough, through vulnerability with each other? And sometimes that looks messy. Sometimes that looks awkward. But that's what community is all about. So my challenge for you tonight, if you believe this is the truth you need to begin to declare louder than anything else over your life, maybe you also need to get someone else on board so that they can begin to declare that over your life as well. 
Because it's when we do this that I believe we will start to see breakthrough and we will start to see our prisons become platforms for God to minister through us to impact the lives of those around us. I am no longer a slave. I am a child of God. It's not enough to know it. We have to preach it. This is what Jesus did. There's an amazing chapter in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus, he's tempted out in the wilderness by the enemy. And we don't have time to read it, but I'd encourage you to. Each and every response to each and every lie that the enemy throws at Jesus is scripture. Jesus, even as the Son of God, recognizes the power of God's word over the lies of the enemy. If this is what Jesus did, this is what we need to do. So I hope that my challenge can become your challenge for 2019. That as we move into this year, and as we encounter the difficult times and the difficult circumstances, that we can begin to change the conversation. We can begin to declare the truth of God over our situations louder than anything else. Invite the band to come up just as I finish. It's interesting because each one of these things that I've just talked to you guys about and I've unpacked it a little bit, each of these things has absolutely no power to transform or change your life without consistency. Because if uh, that wasn't the case, then you could just walk out of here tonight with a completely transformed and changed life. How often do we know that's not the case? It takes a consistent pattern of declaring God's word over each situation, over each lie. Every day. It's almost like saying, well, I read the Bible once and I didn't really get anything out of it. You probably didn't, but imagine, well, it's actually like brushing your teeth, isn't it? Like, you do it once, it doesn't really show. But you read the Bible for an entire year. Imagine looking back and seeing a different perspective on God and looking forward and seeing a different purpose for your future. Once, brush your teeth once, don't see results. Don't brush your teeth for 360 days. You're probably going to need some help. You're probably going to have no friends. (laughs) It takes consistency. It takes a commitment each and every day. So let this be the year that we make a commitment for God's truth to rise above everything else in our lives. We've got an opportunity to sing a song in a moment. I can't think of a better song to finish with. It's a song about declaring God's truth over our lives, that that truth is greater than anything else that we will come up against. So let's just finish in um, prayer as we sing to close the service. God, we thank you that we have a source of truth, your word. And God, we thank you for the power of that truth. And God, as we move into this year, Help us to embrace that power. 
God, to know that we are able because we serve a God who is able. God, we believe that we will see transformation and change in our circumstances, God, that we will declare grace over shame, that, God, we will pursue your favour and the favour of those around us and that we will declare that we are no longer slaves because we are your children. And in each of those truths, God, we believe that chains are going to fall this year, God. In your name we pray. Amen.